guy off of what's it called? Wolf of Wall Street. Hello everybody, welcome back to Juice. This week we are doing more questions about disability. I've got my guests back. Say hello. Hey. What's up people? We're, <laughs> we're back. First question, Em? Yes. You want to read it out? Or should I, think I you read sh- it? You, know, you, you want start, me to read it you out? You started off this time because okay. I did it last time. Betty. Yes. Question one. With four marks. <laughs> What's one thing you wish able-bodied people would or do know about disability for you or in general? Did that sentence make sense? That's no, I just didn't read it out. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's written. Wait, okay, so what's one thing that I wish... Able-bodied people would know about your disability? Oh, okay. Um, oh, either about your disability or about disability in general. Oh, okay. Um, well, that's a bit of a weird question. It's a good question. Sorry to whoever gave me that question. Yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a weird analogy. <laughs> I don't know. I kind of, I feel like I kind of answered this in the last uh, podcast. Just listen to the other podcasts. <laughs> no, it's similar answer in the respect that um, I don't, there's not like one specific thing that I want mm. people to ask me, but if they ask anything, that's good. Like any questions are good questions because if you don't ask any questions and you don't know anything, if that makes sense. And mm. there you have it, people. And there you go. I'm really sorry. That's a really it's a good, in- li- that's a good life lesson as well. No question yeah. is a stupid question. The second one is about whether you resent the able-bodied. Oh, God. I know. It's a, we've kind of thrown you in the deep end. Yeah, the it is. you didn't even ease me in there. Uh, do I resent the able-bodied? I think they mean in the... That's a creaky chair, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, do I resent you for being able, for having a working biology? Mm. Yes. Uh, I think when I was younger, I probably did. Oh, I definitely did because you would. I would be in PE lessons, and everyone would actually be able to do it, and I would just have to sit there and and not. And that was a bit. That was a bit hard. But then at the same time, it it's pointless to resent people for something that they can't control. Like because I can't control being disabled, nor can people control not being disabled. So like, I can't get annoyed at you for being able to walk a mile. Because because what can you do about it? If if I started kicking off at you, the only thing that you could say is like, oh, sorry, but <laughs> <laughs> so, so no. No, I don't really resent them. I think less resent, more jealousy sometimes. Okay. Um, do you still feel that that jealousy? Yeah, I think I do. I mean, quarantine was was hard for that because people could go out on their daily walk and do daily exercise. I mean, like, you guys will go on your walks up the hill and stuff. So I get jealous of that because I, I just can't do it and there's no way around that. I just don't have access to that. Yeah, so I think I, I do still get jealous, but it's, it is wasted energy, to be honest. There's nothing you can do about it. And I can, I can do other things. Could go on a drive. <laughs> the drives are fun though. The Have drives are fun. They are fun. For a drive or more once. Yeah, just me. Oh, Alright, next question. Do you think the world caters well to disabilities? Oh, um wow. The world. That's a well, right. First of all, I am only one person who has had one set of experiences. So I can't speak for 
the entire disabled community. Um, I can't even speak for like the disabled community in the town where I'm from. Like I can only speak for what I have experienced. Um, and do I think the world caters well to disability? No, I don't think it does, to be honest. I think it's a bit shit. But um, yeah, I mean, people try, people do try. But I think they think that a very low level of integration is acceptable. So like, for example, when you're on a train and you have to get on the train, say if I was in a wheelchair, society seems to think that making something in quotation marks accessible is providing a ramp. But then I'm pretty sure we're one of the only countries in the world who still have like raised trains. So the entire ceremony of having to wait for someone to go get a ramp, to then put the ramp out, that's humiliating in itself. That's not making something accessible. That's making a show of it. Whereas if it was just level, so if they just measured it so that the train was completely flat, then that person could just get on it and it wouldn't be an issue. I mean, it's like when I went to South Korea, it's completely flat and level and then it wouldn't be a big deal. You would be catered to but then I think even that language is is strange because you don't ask if able-bodied people feel catered to like as if I feel sometimes as a disabled person I'm putting other people I'm making them do things out of their way like I'm a burden to them and I'm making them do things that are extra yeah as in like the fact that it's like a it seems like it's not fully integrated into mm. everyday life where it should be. In, yeah, for example, yeah. in Korea. Yeah. Rather than it, as it, it seems like a. People saying, "Oh, look! Like we've done this for." It's like an add-on. Yeah. Like an add-on. Yeah, you know like I mean? an add-on. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's hard because the way I think about that is that people aren't set to certain frequencies. Like they don't recognize things that they've never had any experience of. So it's like my disability, I'm the only person on the planet who has had my experience of it because every disability is different, just like every person's body is different and everyone's upbringing is different. So then it is difficult and quite demanding of me to expect everyone on the planet to know what I want and what I want them to do. However, that does not mean that some of the things I need aren't obvious and universal. Like, for example, that wheelchair thing. I mean, I don't even use a wheelchair, but that's not specific to people who are in a wheelchair. What about women with pushchairs? You always see that bloke or young lasses picking up the pushchair to get it onto the train. Just make it level. Like, it's not that hard. But because people don't think about it, because they think it doesn't apply to them, then it's put way down on the pecking order of stuff that needs to be done. So these aren't complicated um, adjustments to make to people's lives, nor would they change very much about a person's life. It wouldn't slow anyone down. In fact, it would speed some people up. I think sometimes with disability, you're made to feel like a burden, you're in the way. Whereas you're only made to feel that way because people ignore you and because people don't help you out whereas if they just made these adjustments you wouldn't be in the way because you would be able to exist with ease just like everyone else does do you want me to do the next one yeah so the next one is someone has asked you 
how much or even how does your disability contribute to your self-identity? Ooh. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's a hard one, isn't it? Um, I mean, yes, it does contribute to my self-identity, obviously. But one thing that I've really struggled with is allowing it to contribute to my self-identity. Um, because it's like for you two the things that you don't like about yourself and the things that make your life difficult you don't want to necessarily accept as something that is a part of you if that makes sense Mm. um so it's like my disability for a long time was something that I I fought against and thought oh well it's not it's not me it's not all of me it doesn't define me and all these things and it doesn't those things are true but in making these conscious efforts to say oh it doesn't define me you you begin to reject it and then when you reject it that's that's completely pointless because at the end of the day I still am disabled and I think through my blog and through doing this podcast I'm having to actively allow myself to be disabled I mean it's like on my blog Instagram for example for ages I thought because people describe themselves like what kind of blogger they are and how they want to do it and for ages I was like oh I don't really want to put disability blogger I don't really want to do that because in my head people will then make assumptions of me and have expectations of me that I don't I don't necessarily want them to have Mm -hmm. so I just didn't put it in there but then I thought but if I'm talking about disability and if these people don't know me then they won't know that I'm disabled unless I say it so so, but it is really hard because it's not a nice thing to to be that sounds awful (laughs) it sounds really awful um but I've, I mean, like I've said before, I've spoken about whether I'm proud to be disabled. I don't think I am. Um, because with it's difficult to explain. Do you feel like there's ever any pressure on you to say, as you just said, like, I'm proud to be disabled? Do you think there's any pressure on you to, like, completely embrace it? Because a lot of, like, nowadays there are a lot of um, insecurities and things that people kind of worry about themselves that they properly embrace like the whole Mm. body positivity thing Mm -hmm. um and they've completely embraced it do you feel like you've had a similar pressure to say oh i've embraced something about myself Mm -hmm. and is that like a similar thing or yeah no i definitely have felt that pressure i felt that pressure more when i write stuff on this blog and when I talk on this podcast because before it was a it was a passive thing that I did like when I spoke about disability to my friends at school or people that I met on my year abroad I was I was passively um representing so to speak I was I was just talking about it whereas if you are placing yourself into a situation where you share your experiences and you share your opinions of things and you ask other people to do things like to be more tolerant of disabled people or to be more interested then immediately you have to as my mum said I now have to like fully represent it and that's not an easy thing to do because the way I've always been I've always rejected it a little bit because I want to be quote unquote normal it's definitely hard on social media though because I feel like I should be posting photographs 
where you can see my disability but then at the same I don't like those photos like I've never liked those photos I've always cut them out but then um I probably should represent a bit more <laughs> if I'm going to talk about it if I'm going to ask people to to listen and to engage with it then I have to I have to sacrifice my um embarrassment a little bit yeah are there things that we shouldn't say or ask disabled people? Oh, that's the money question, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I think in my lifetime so far and as I've started to meet people as an adult rather than at school, um, one thing, and I don't know if you two feel this, is that able-bodied people are so frightened to offend the disabled and they're so frightened to end up to ask something and look like a knob mm. for asking it but then that doesn't mean that you don't want to ask at all i mean it's like you two when you met me did you want to ask i didn't know um, you were disabled i <laughs> so i don't know if i said this last time but when i first went into batty's room because batty was next door to me last year in college i just didn't even i don't think i noticed that you were disabled or i just didn't think oh yeah and like i have to ask. i think it was just like yeah part of you and i just didn't really and i remember asking you i was like wow your room is so big it was like, I, I remember i was like i was like damn i was like you got a really nice yeah. room here because my room was like a little <laughs> a little room at least so, you're in gs so i Mm, that's true but I didn't have a nice one but I remember saying to you I was like like wow your room's so and you got an ensuite like wow how like how did you get this one mm. but you just said to me that you were disabled and then I think from then on you explained more about it but when you initially said that I remember thinking in my head like oh no like this is the first time I've met this girl properly like I I didn't mm. mean to be like insensitive and be like how did you get this room so I think I do understand what you mean as in like the yeah. terminology people use and like how they address certain topics of disability i do get how well it feels like in those conversations when i say oh yeah i'm disabled mm. it feels like you've thrown like a stone into the conversation and and people especially english people they get so uncomfortable yeah. and like <laughs> they just they just freeze up and it's as if you've just told them that your dad died last night and it's like it's it's not that big a deal but then it's a sensitive topic and that's why people um, don't ask any questions but I think as I said before if you don't ask anything it's this huge elephant in the room mm -hmm. and it's it's not that disabled people are perfect at asking each other like I've I've not had that many I don't think I've ever had a dis I've known disabled people but not like one of my close friends has, has ever really been disabled and it, it is difficult like when you meet a disabled person especially if they're if they're physically deformed that's when it's most uncomfortable for British people mm. because they recognise this physical deformity and they don't want to draw attention to it, but then at the same time, they want to know what it is. Mm. And also, I think one thing that is important is that people ignore these things too much to the point where it, it becomes insensitive. So, for example, if someone has... Um, I don't know, like a huge lump on their shoulder or something, and then you meet them. When you hug them, you might hurt them because you don't know whether that is painful for them or something. But that doesn't mean that you start a conversation and say, whoa, that's huge, does that hurt? When you meet someone, you know that it would be rude to point something out in a way 
that is mean. So like um, one time when I was in Ukraine, I met, that sounds so like gap year, isn't it? When I was in <laughs> Ukraine, um, <laughs> when, I, when I first met the other counsellors, I'd literally just stepped outside and one of the lads, in an effort to be really jovial and really sweet, actually, he says, whoa, what are those shoes? Like that. And I was so caught off guard. I was like, um, <laughs> wow, because it's in front of all these people that I've never met. And he's just gone, what the hell are those? And I'm like, oh, so they're called calipers and I kind of need them. I kind of don't love that you've just made 30 people look at them mm. so then he felt awful because i then explained what they were and he came up to me later and apologized to me for just baiting me out in front of everyone but but then i don't um i can't give you the perfect advice i can't tell you how to approach a disabled person and how to speak about disability in a way that won't embarrass or make them upset i can't give that to able-bodied people because I don't know the answer. The only thing I know is that do it in a way that is sensitive. If you think about if it was the other way round, if you had a deformity or if you had something that was obvious, would you want someone to shout it out in the middle of other people? Would you want someone to ask you what's wrong with you? Would you want someone to ask you about your disability for before they've even asked your name like yeah. you wouldn't want those things so so it's just also like the language that people use as well yeah i mean the my pet peeve is people asking me what's wrong with me i always yeah. say what's wrong with you like, <laughs> nothing but that goes all the way back to the fact that disability is called a disability like it is perceived as something that is wrong with you and something that went wrong and yeah, it, biologically, it is like it's a faulty cell or it's a faulty something or this, that, the other, whatever. But not when someone's alive with it. Like, yeah. that's a bit of a harsh way to to go about it. So yeah, just just think before you say, what are those? <laughs> <laughs> How do you think your disabilities made you emotionally resistant, resilient? Resistant. Emotionally resistant. Or like has it, even. Emotionally resilient. Um, more emotionally resilient than able-bodied people. That's what yeah. that person asked me, wasn't it? Um, do you know what? I think so, probably. I think I grew up a bit quicker because mm. of it. Just because as a young girl, I had more things that I had to think about than um, other young girls the same age as me. Yeah, I think I, I probably have quite a high tolerance but for a very specific type of emotion disability in the way it's presented through tv shows like diy sos and that some people have a really really tough time of it some people are given really horrible things that they have to deal with and they have to deal with that and there's no option and that's just how they are but that does not mean that they can take more it means that they know how to deal with that with that thing, that physical ailment, that emotional toll that it'll take on them. That doesn't mean that you can, that in a relationship, a romantic relationship, that they can take more emotional stress. It doesn't mean that. They're not more emotionally resilient in every direction. But yeah, I think you, with a physical or mental disability, you, um, you learn 
how to deal with things and you learn that you have to you just have to have a stiff upper lip mm. as the british generals would say <laughs> keep calm and carry on <laughs> betty yes rich what do we do is there is there what's wrong with you <laughs> finger spaces rich finger is spaces. there a bittersweetness to being helped slash how do you feel when offered help question mark oh, okay um, my God, you can really hear people stomping about in this Pretty house, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, but... I'm not even going to cut out the background noise anymore. We live with six other people. Oh, no. Four of... Maths. I mean, maths. Three plus four is seven. There's <laughs> three of us in this room. Therefore, seven minus three is four. Four other people in this house. Um, do... What's the question? <laughs> <laughs> is there a bit of sweetness to being helped? Or how do you feel when offered help? Oh, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, it is hard when people um, give you such public help. But then at the same time, like after it, that always will depend on the person. I mean, I was watching um, a film last night. I watched Me Before You. Right? Did you? I did. I really liked I want, it. I wonder why you watched that film, Betty. Yeah, shout out Sam Claflin. <laughs> Sam Claflin, you can call me anytime. Anyway... Um, yeah, so I was watching Me Before You, and that's about a guy who is paralysed. And there's this one point where um, he goes, he's taken to this to the races, and he gets out of a car, and his wheelchair gets stuck in the mud. Mm. And then the, the lass that he's with, she calls people who are walking past, and she asks them to help him and pick him up out of the mud. And... On one hand, you would think that that's a really nice thing to do, but he hates it. He's sitting there going, no, please don't do it. Please stop. Stop doing this. Stop doing this. And it's strangers giving this paralysed man a hand, but no one asked the paralysed guy if that was okay. Like, she just called these people over, and obviously these people think that they're doing a really nice thing. They are doing a really nice thing, but they, they didn't ask him. And when I've been in a wheelchair before, I've been sitting in my wheelchair and someone's just come up to me and pushed me somewhere. And they've never asked me. And it's like, you wouldn't pick someone up and move them, would you? Like, you have to ask mm. these questions. And make sure they actually need the help. Yeah, well, that they want it. Because yeah. even if it, even if someone's wheelchair's stuck in the mud and they clearly need help because they can't get out, you can't just go over to them and move them. Yeah. Because that's really disrespectful and it's, it makes it so much worse. And a lot of disabled people... Well, actually, no, I can't generalise like that. But if it were me, um, I would hate that. Yeah, Do you think th- people's worry is that they could feel quite patronising at points if they were to... Yeah, I do think that they don't want to patronise people and that is that is um, a very real thing. I've been patronised a, a whole lot in my life. And I think one thing that's interesting about that is if you work in the capacity where you're helping disabled people, you know when you have that badge that says disability assistant, that immediately you're a great person. But that's, I don't really see how that works, that you can still have that job and patronise people and not be very nice to them. And I was actually um, on a call to this woman and she answered the phone and you can tell she's got great intentions but she answers the phone and she goes hi Elizabeth how are you today and I went oh yeah I'm all right how are you and she went I'm pretty good thank you how's your week been and immediately my 
back goes up and I sit there thinking, why are you speaking me to me like that? Yeah. Like, why do you have to speak to me like a child? Or just not not even like a child as if I'm an idiot. Mm. And it really annoys me. So I think if you're ever going to ask a disabled person about their disability, or if you're ever going to ask them if they want help, can you please just speak to us like we're people? Because we are people. Like, just because they can't, I don't know, communicate in the same way as you, or read the same way as you, or walk the same way as you, does not mean that you have any right to speak to them like some invalid and it really winds me up as you can probably tell (laughs) okay so this question it's a little bit of a topic jump i'm not gonna lie it's not exactly leading on as well right that's because it that's because it is a completely different topic it's quite a bit it's a swerve um so the question is can you have sex the same way as able-bodied people oh wow this is a swerve isn't it (laughs) it's a bit of a swerve Okay, so this this is a funny question because I can tell that people want to know about disabled people in general, but it's also very, I can only answer about me. <laughs> um, yes and no. So spina bifida is an interesting one because I only learnt this in the past year, actually, because my mum read a book about I I think it was about female empowerment or something and the author at one point she says she's talking about sex and um about female pleasure and she says that she found out later on in life that she had a really mild form of spina bifida like a really 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 mild form as in she had no idea earlier on in life she didn't have to wear shoes like me or anything like that um, but she did have a really mild form of spina bifida. I wish I could remember the name of this woman's book, but I can't. I'm really sorry. Oh, it was about the vagina. I think it's just called vagina. Anyway, Google it. But she had a really mild form of spina bifida, which meant that her nerves were kind of... They were kind of dead at the bottom, a couple of them. Mm. Like I said last week, last week in the last podcast about how I can't feel my feet. So a couple of her nerve endings in her vagina were dead, which meant that when she had sex, she didn't always experience the pleasure that she's told she's meant to experience in certain directions. So then my mom, she comes into my room, she was like, uh, Betty, I just want to ask you a question. You know, um, when you have sex, like, can you have you orgasm before? Like, can you get there? Which obviously, mother to daughter, we were both a bit like, eh. <laughs> but then she did want to ask me in case um, that had never happened for me, and I was worrying about it. And I, I can, <laughs> but I think a couple of my nerve endings in certain places are not there. Mm. But what the body does is it redirects. So women have seven spots of pleasure so say two of mine are cut off that means that it's just the amount of pleasure you feel is just redirected to the other ones but yeah so i can i can have sex in the same way as normal people but um there are certain things that are different do you find or think your disability affects how people see you romantically or sexually Oh, I wrote I wrote a whole blog on this one last year. Uh, so go check it out. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> so actually go read my blog. No, <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, and that's a that's a really funny one because that blog was prompted by one of our mates, um, actually asking me that question, 
And I remember when I said to him, I do think it has meant that some boys haven't approached me or haven't wanted to pursue me, but I do not think that anyone would ever say that because it kind of feels below the belt to say that. I think there's this perception that because I'm disabled, I come with baggage that they wouldn't know how to um, help with. They're kind of scared of it. So they're scared of it. And, I mean, on the podcast when me and Zena were speaking, I'm already being told personality-wise that I'm intimidating boys. So I think that that kind of just tips it over the edge. They're like, oh, no, I can't can't handle all, all of that. But then at the same time, I've no one's ever asked me like what they would need to do or what it would be like. And to be honest, just because someone's disabled does not mean that you're going to have to keep on top of what pills they take throughout the day or like doesn't mean you're going to have to help them in the bathroom like I don't take any pills. I don't you don't you don't need to do anything. You just need to like and want to be with me. And even people who do have to take loads of pills and do have to have certain things that help them out during the day. These are people who are self-sufficient. They have their own it's their own disability. Just because you date them, it doesn't become yours as well. And it should not be something that puts you off or confuses you or intimidates you, especially if you've not asked, if you've just made this assumption from the start. I think I'm fortunate in the respect that my disability, as we've said before, is something that people can ignore. But that does mean that... I think there have been a few points with boys where they've spent more time with me and they realise that if they were to be my boyfriend, it would become a part of their life. They would see more of it simply because of the fact that they would just be with me more often, more time out of the day. It's like you lot. We all live together, but you don't... When we each go to bed, we're not in the same room with each other and stuff, and that's when I'll check my feet and that's when I'll look at my shoes and make sure that everything's okay and stuff like that or if I'm a bit upset about my feet I'll do it in my room I'll do it on my own whereas if I was with someone he would have to be there for that but that doesn't mean that he would have to have to already come with all this life experience when it comes to disability and and that it's it's honestly it's a it's a really silly thing to um be frightened of and intimidated by yeah because equally, I don't know what's going on in your life. Like, you might have had some situations that I don't know how to deal with. But you wouldn't... You would really, really judge me if I turned around and said, Oh, no, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Um, This is more about you. Mm-hmm. Um, and not as much as, like, other romantic or sexual partners. Mm-hmm. But obviously, as a girl, when you start having like becoming sexually active for the first time mm-hmm. you become a lot I feel like you become I don't know if this happens to you but like you become a lot more conscious about your body yeah um and I'm just curious to know that like back then like when you started having sex with someone new mm-hmm. like each time um do you feel like you've become more and more confident like you were more like body conscious at the beginning like um... to your disability like do you feel like now it's a lot easier for you to like have a new sexual partner mm. or I mean that's a strange one because I think like, me, me and Emma were in the kitchen before and we were talking about losing our virginities. Yeah. And I think the way the person you lose your virginity to is impacts a lot on how you yeah, feel about yourself afterwards. That's and, not talked about enough. Yeah, and um, Rish, you probably feel the same way yeah. from the other direction. But So the, the 
boy that I lost my virginity to was fucking lovely. Like he was so sweet. He's the only. He was the only one who asked me whether it would hurt. Mm. Um, he wasn't sweet in other departments, like in the way he treated me generally. Mm. But in that moment, I do have to give him a lot of kudos for it because yeah. I he could have he could have completely fucked me up for ages with that. Um, because I'd never been intimate with someone before. I don't know if I gained body confidence because in all honesty it's not something when I'm in that moment with a boy it's not something I'm concerned with I don't think about it I don't have any pain and and um I can't I actually can't see my disability it's on my back so I can't see it it's got it's almost got nothing to do with me in that moment so I don't know if I um I probably didn't gain body confidence I've always been quite confident in my body if anything made me insecure, it was coming to university and just the vibe of the the boys here at Durham mm. made me very insecure. I just felt that I was I was not attractive to the boys up here um, because I was too I don't know confident, too loud, too jokey, too this that or the other and somehow I then took that to mean that it must also be my disability because um that also makes me stand out and that is something new and I don't see any disabled students at this university I think I in my entire first year I think I saw two on the side of the street and if you're not around people who have disabilities it's it's exaggerated but in an intimate sense it might sound kind of backwards, but I think as soon as I'm there with a boy, I'm secure in that. It's kind of being confirmed that they think I'm hot. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't really care after then. Yeah. Um, but then equally, I've never been in a relationship, so I've never felt consistently wanted yeah. by someone. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah. That's a different feeling. It's, it's a massive change. It's a big change. It is a bit of a big change. Looking forward to that change. <laughs> <laughs> and it changes from age to age. I mean, if you'd asked me that question about uh, body confidence, about sex, when I was about 18 or 19, the answer would would definitely have been different because that was straight after I lost my virginity, pretty much. I feel like in life since, like, I think 18 to, like, well, I'm only 21 now. Mm. Recently turned 21, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, turned 21. Um, yeah. Even... 18 to 19 so like a huge change 19 to 20 huge change yeah. 20 to 21 huge change and like it's it's just those years that are very important in your yeah development as a human being I forget yeah and i think sex and relationships change a lot during that time as well mm-hmm. because what you think you want changes yeah. drastically and then what you can pro- like give to another person changes hugely as yeah. well. So I think these kinds of questions, you could, I mean, even different weeks, I would give a different answer. Yeah. But thanks for asking me these questions again, guys. Oh, pleasure. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this podcast, like, share, subscribe, you know what to do. <laughs> the classics. And uh, I'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. See ya. <laughs>